0: Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Let's pray and open up our hearts to hear what God has for us this evening father it's in the name of Jesus that we pray lord and we ask you Lord God to, to, to let your holy spirit Lord cover the distance lord the physical distance tonight God and lord we pray father lord for people all over the world we ask you God that your holy Spirit Lord would open our hearts lord and our minds our ears Lord and cause us to understand what the spirit is saying to us lord that we might know the hope of our calling Lord God the glory of our inheritance God the riches lord that you have for us waiting God in Heaven. And Lord, also, God, the great opportunity that we have to share the Word of God with others, Lord, who are sitting in darkness or in need. We ask these things tonight, Lord, as you bless us and make us a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For some weeks now, in fact, this is the fifth week that we have been sharing from some of my favorite Bible characters and what I have learned from them. You know, I've learned so much through life from the Bible characters here in the Word. Many times people imagine that this word uh, can get old and cold but it is not an old and cold word it's a living word somehow god has placed power in this word god says it's like a seed so that when it gets off of this page and into our heart it not only comes alive but it 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 it, it germinates it incubates in our heart you know the bible and the stories of god you know the bible's not just you know are the church some refrigerator to to preserve all all the works that God did and remember them as some memorial. But rather, you know, uh, we, our lives, we the church, we are incubators for the Word of God and what He yet wants to do in the earth. This is a wonderful history book. It is great and it contains a lot of stories. But more than that, it's a roadmap for our lives. This Word jumps off the page. It's going to jump off the page tonight. And it's going to give you some direction, It will also answer some of the questions in your life and it will set you up for success. So get ready to hear God's Word. You know the Old Testament. Uh, is a story, a picture if you would, that God was painting of about 4,000 years. How that God brought Messiah, dealing with generation after generation after generation, choosing people in each generation, and sharing their stories with us. He was on a journey to bring Messiah. He had a plan and He worked through people to bring Messiah to a lost and a hurting world. In the Old Testament, God judged sinners and dealt with sinners. In the New Testament, something amazing happened. The Old Testament 4000 years, the New Testament covers a period relatively of about 40 years. That's the heart of the Gospels and the Epistles. And over this 40 years, it's basically a a an account of what one home group did. They had a great commission Jesus had given them. A great commission, told them what to do, just like he's told us what to do. Matthew 28:18 through20, going to all the world to make disciples of, of all nations and teaching them, you know, to observe all the things that Jesus taught uh, those disciples. And he said, "I'd be with you always." Well, when these men, uh, with about 120 people in total, were in an upper room. They were just a home group. They were meeting in a house, and the Holy Spirit baptized them with the power. They went out in the streets and began fulfilling the Great Commission. They went to Jerusalem, they went to Judea, they went to uh, Samaria, they went to the uttermost parts of the world, to Rome and Thyatira and Pergamos and Laodicea, uh, to Corinth and Ephesus and Philippi and Thessalonica and all the region of Galatia. They went everywhere across their known world taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in only 40 years, these these, uh, few in the home group They took the gospel to their whole known world, and not one of them even owned a bicycle. You know, the Word of God is alive and real. And these testimonies, they are history. They they are church history, Bible history. But they're also, as I said, a road map. They're instructions for us. It's incumbent in the New Testament. One generation, 40 years, one group of people. What one home group did, it's incumbent upon each one of us in every generation. The church of the living God in every generation is called to keep that same Great Commission. Have you been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill, to begin going out into your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world? Let me encourage you. Receive the Holy Spirit and the power of the Almighty and begin fulfilling the Great Commission. You know, there's no distance in the spirit we are gathered together isn't it wonderful you know uh, that that through church online we can still gather together and share the word of god that's what the apostle paul says whenever you're gathering together he said uh, uh, he, he wrote and he, he said you know know that i'm with you i'm with you in spirit i'll i'll be right there with you in spirit you know the holy spirit is here with us and we are gathering together unto Him in the name of Jesus. And right here, He is in our midst. Well, have you found 1 Samuel chapter 25 yet? I hope you got your Bibles, or, or perhaps you can, uh, you know, read along with me as well, or, or some digital Bible, keeping some notes. We're going to again be sharing this week on a Bible character that has meant a lot to me in life. Uh, you know. This is what we do. We go to God's Word for answers. We go to God's Word for instruction. We go to God's Word for comfort. We go to God's Word for power, for hope. You know, and it builds our faith. Well, tonight's Bible character, let's, let's see among these characters if you can guess which one it is. We're going to be reading beginning in verse 1 of chapter 25 uh, in the book of 1 Samuel. Okay, verse 25, verse 1 or chapter 25, first one. Then Samuel died. Samuel died, yep, we all do, even the prophet Samuel. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him, and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now, there was a man in Mon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had there he had three thousand sheep and a thousand goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. It was the season of sheep shearing, okay? Uh, we'll get back to that in just a moment. Verse number three. The name of this man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb." Uh, Let's stop there just a moment. Which one of these people do you think we're going to talk about tonight? Let's see, we have Samuel, we have David, you know, we have Nabal, we have Abigail. Well, tonight we're going to talk about Abigail. Her husband Nabal, his name means foolish and wicked. Isn't that amazing? Now, here is this woman, and the Bible tells us here you know, that she was pretty, that she was smart. Uh, and uh, you know, we're also going to find out that she's really daring. You know, She is able to take a risk. Daring in the sense that she is willing to take some risk in order to do what she feels is best for her family, for her household, and for her future, and for the future king, King David, that she really believes is going to be given the kingdom shortly. Well, let's pick back up verse number 4. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, That's what verse 4 says. Let me tell you the story from here, okay? So we want to be reading all of these, and you can go back and read this if you would and uh, just make sure that I'm giving you the right word. But David heard that this very rich man named Nabal was shearing his sheep. You see, sheep shearing time is a very important time. Sheep and goats are raised in that part of the world in that day and also in this day for the wool and the hair that they produce. You know, And that wool and hair is used to make clothes and also to take to market. And so the reason that you raise these animals was not primarily for food, even though you did eat them, but primarily they were for this uh, this this product that they you know produced the hair and the wool and so sheep shearing time was a very important time it was harvest time it was a very prosperous time it was a time whenever you know these uh, people who owned uh, 3000 sheep and you know goats that that they were just coming into a lot of wealth it was also the time of the year whenever you wanted to cull or weed out your flock If your flock was getting older, some of the older goats, some of the older sheep were no longer real producers. And so, you know, you wanted to replace them with younger ones. And so many times uh, during this particular time, once you got the last harvest or what you expected was, you know, the last of your great harvest. uh, If you could afford it, you would cull these out. And, you know, sometimes they would be, you know, sold cheap, you know, um, to someone else or, or to the poor who may not could afford. You know the young sheep. Sometimes and many times they would be slaughtered and used for food and and other times uh, slaughtered and given away uh, or given away to be slaughtered. So it was a time when, when people were getting rid of their sheep and goats anyway and it was best for them. And so David heard it was sheep shearing time and David had 600 men and their families that he was taking care of. And so, as we follow the story along, David told some of his men, "Go down to Nabal, down where he's shearing sheep, and and uh, you know, greet him for me, and give him my greetings, and and ask him if he would mind sending a few of the sheep our way, a few of the goats our way, so that we can have something to eat, some provision." And so they did. You know, it was you know uh, not unusual at all. Um, and Nabal, no doubt, was not the only person that David approached simply because he had these 600 men and their families. Uh, but Nabal finds his way into the Bible so that we can glean some things from what happened here. They go to Nabal. You can read the story And Nabal. Basically, he is wicked and he's foolish and, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's brash. And he says to them, "Who are you, and who's David?" Well, he knew who David was. You know what? What are you doing, asking me, you bums? You know, just uh, you know, a lot of people are are going away from their masters and looking for somebody to take care of. A lot of people aren't working these days. They're just bums. All you know, for all I know, David, the son of Jesse, who is he? He might just be a bum. I'm not taking my hard-earned, you know, bread and meat and water and giving it to you guys. Get out of here. You know. Well. Uh, They just nicely uh, got on their animals and took off. They went back to see David. Well, this really concerned Nabal's servants because Nabal's servants knew exactly who David was and they also knew who David's men were because these servants had kept these sheep and these goats had kept the flocks all that season out in the wilderness and and in that area you know uh, there were a lot of uh, land pirates a lot of uh, marauders a lot of renegades a lot of uh, bands uh, from other countries and also from within uh, Israel's own uh, territories that would you know come by and you know steal and kill and, and, you know, um, I mean, kill even the servants and and abuse them and you know take advantage of them and and you know steal the sheep and the goats. But the servants knew that David and his men had been honorable. And oh, they were afraid because they knew what kind of man David was. They had been watching him all season and his men, and they knew that this was one tough guy. You know, he was not going to be disrespected. And in the in that particular culture, in that Bedouin culture of that day and also of this day, you do not disrespect someone in front of their friends or their family. Or you know, uh, and and this was not going to be taken well. No doubt, they had seen David's men protecting them against others, and they knew that these people were. You know, they were not a. You know, uh, they're not somebody to talked to like Nabal had talked to them. So they found Abigail. In fact, uh, 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 verse 14 says that, uh, Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and our master reviled them. (laughs) But the men, they were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything, as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. Now, here they're giving uh, Abigail a really good report of David and his men, and uh, you know the, the Bible continues to tell uh, you know that that you know we're we're afraid. The servant said, "We're afraid." Sure enough. When David's men got back to David and told him that Nabal had been so ugly to them and acted so mean and, you know, just, you know, uh, disrespected David in such a way, David said, okay, everybody, saddle up. I'm paraphrasing. Saddle up and get your swords. Uh, We're going to pay Nabal a visit. And I tell you what, I'm going to kill him and everyone, you know, every man in his household. I'll kill every man. I love what the King James says right there. You can read it. Uh, you know, the King James is very uh, picturesque, uh, very flowering, um, uh, flowerful, um, colorful language. Okay? And uh, he said, I'm going to kill every man among them. And so they take off riding. Well, at the same time, Abigail, this smart, beautiful, daring woman, no doubt younger than her husband Nabal, as we presume, knowing that he's foolish, knowing that he's wicked, knowing that he's miserly, knowing that he's he's selfish, and knowing that he's a brute, uh, she yet knows as well that uh, he's her husband and she wants to do what she can to protect him. So, she takes provisions and gathers a lot of provisions, you know, mead and raisin cakes and, you know, all kinds of things and wine and everything. Loads the donkeys up, tells the servant servants, load them up. And she takes off, hoping to, to uh, intervene, hoping to catch David before he, you know, gets to their house. And sure enough, she does. And uh, the Bible tells us that, uh, that, verse 23, Now, when Abigail saw David... He was on his way you know, to her house to, to kill everybody or kill all the men. Now when Abbael saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. Verse 24. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord. Oh! You know, on me. Can you imagine that? On me, my Lord. On me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. You know, uh, listen, she said to David, she, you know, got off, she fell on her face, and she's got all these, you know, donkeys behind her and servants, and she has all this provision, and she just begs, you know, let let this iniquity of Nabal fall on me. Uh, you know, uh, you know, do do to me whatever you will. You know, uh, 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 please listen to me, though. Just please listen to me. And she goes on to tell him, listen, you know, I, I know that you are called by God. I know that the hand of the Lord is upon you, and... In, in days to come, she's looking to his future. She's looking to the king's future. She's looking to the future of her nation. And she said, "In days to come, whenever you look back on your life, if you kill Nabal and all of the men in his household, then you will regret it, and it will be a, a you know a, a blotch on your record. It will you know a, a blemish on your record in your heart and your life, and you'll regret it. Why you know don't don't do this. You are the Lord's anointed. Don't do this. You know." David listens to her, and she says in verse 28, Please forgive this trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you throughout your days. Wow. Here she is looking to his good, to her husband's good, to her household. She doesn't want her servants to lose their life or lose their jobs, you know, um, lose their livelihood. She's doing the best she can. You know, uh, David says, okay, thank you. I'm going to let Nabal off the hook. You've interceded for him. You're a fine lady. God bless you. Thanks. Thanks for keeping me from doing this harm. Well, she turns around and goes home and David turns around, takes provisions for his, for his men and, and goes on his way. When she gets back home, uh, the Bible says that she did not tell her husband beforehand that she was going to do this. But when she gets back home, her husband is having a party. And it's sheep shearing season. They've just, you know, uh, you know, finished a great harvest. And so he's having this party and he's already drunk. You know, uh, she's pretty wise here, very wise. And that she realizes what my dad told me uh, years and years ago. He would tell me, son, you, know, uh, you can't talk to a drunk man. You know, uh, they'll say anything, you know, uh, they'll promise anything. Uh, tell them, listen, if you want to talk to me, talk to me when you're sober. He said, uh, it's, it's just fruitless. Drunk people waste your time and will say anything and whatever they say won't make any difference to them when they sober up. Uh, My dad uh, worked with AA, uh, both in Arkansas and Texas, for a number of years. I remember listening to him on the phone, and he would tell people, they'd, they'd come by the house, and he would say to them, listen, why don't you give me a call before you take that first drink? Or give me a call when you sober up? But he would tell me, you can't draw, you can't reason with a drunk man. She knew that. She saw he was drunk, she didn't say anything. She just went on to bed. But the next day, you know, this woman was wise. The next day, whenever he woke up, she told him. And when she told him, I've, you know, uh, uh, I did something that you're not going to like. The Bible says that he basically had a stroke. He became like stone. His heart just, I mean, he became, you know, just and then in 10 days, he was like that, just couldn't speak, couldn't move, you know, anything. It's, a, it's, you know, it's basically a stroke. And what happened? He died. You know, the story of Abigail is a very complex story. Very complex in that Abigail went outside of the Word and, I believe, outside of the will of God. Now, don't shoot me down. Okay. Not everything you read in the Bible that turns out to the benefit of people was ordained by God. The Apostle Paul would later write to us and say, listen, you know, why if my sin actually does God some good, then why am I judged as a sinner? And, you know, he he went in this argument, listen, we we are judged and held accountable for everything that we do. Uh, And, you know, you cannot accomplish the will of God by going outside of the Word of God. Now, Abigail in her attempt, listen, this is very complex, but it's really very simple. In Abigail's attempt to save her husband's life, she killed him. In Abigail's attempt to keep her servants from losing their job, they lost it anyway. Now, Abigail is a marvelous story, and I've learned so much from her. It's very important that we not mix up the Word of God to where it becomes hypocritical. Uh, I believe that God had a myriad of ways to have taken care of this. And, uh, you know, He does take care of whatever we put into His hands. The Bible says he works all things together for good to those who love him and called according to his purpose. But that does not mean that God makes all things happen, nor does it mean that God agrees with everything that we do, even if it turns out okay. We 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 are not uh, you know outcome based, driven. We are word driven and we leave the outcome to God. God is going to have His will and have His way whether we follow God or whether we don't follow God. That's what Esther was told. Queen Esther was said, listen, God is going to have His way. He'll, he'll, you know, uh, but you know, do it and do it right. She went outside of what she knew uh, that her uh, husband wanted. She went outside what she knew that um, she knew she was disobeying. And it ended up, as I said, her husband died by her hands. There could have been a number of other ways it happened. But nonetheless, uh, when he did die, David heard about it and he sent for Abigail. He knew her to be a smart, beautiful, daring woman. Willing to risk. Willing to make her best decision. Trying her best. Even though, as I said, she ended up you know, killing the very one she was hoping to save. And she ended up losing the very things that she had hoped not to lose. But she did. David sent for her and she came and she became, as we understand, a very good wife to David. Now, what do we learn from this. What have I learned in my life from this? And uh, you know, you may learn a lot of other lessons. But number one, first thing that I'll share with you, uh, the the lesson I've learned from Abigail is that God looks on our heart and not just our actions. And He will, you know, God looks on our heart. He judges us after our heart. Uh, you know, the motivations of our heart, the intentions of our heart. You know, she was motivated by something godly. She did something questionable. I know it's very complex. Uh, but we stand before God innocent through Christ, not through our own actions or inactions. It's not about what we do and don't do. But we do not have the authority given to us in Christ to go outside of God's Word hoping to do God some good. You know, uh, you can't lie and cheat and steal hoping that somebody is going to you know, get saved because you lied to them. That's, that's not the will of God. That does not mean that God's not going to take it if you give it to Him and, and, and you know, bring salvation or, or accomplish something good. God works all things together for good to those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. But that does not mean that all things are His will. Don't get those two things mixed up. But thankfully, God judges us after our heart. That's what I found in Abigail. He looked at Abigail's heart. God loved her. You know, and God you know, fixed it and blessed her. Uh, but I, I can't tell you that he agreed with her. I don't know uh, because I know that uh, it stands so much against the law that she was under at that time. Uh, a second thing that I learned from Abigail is that our everyday decisions have consequences. You know, uh, every time I come to a decision like, you know, uh, Abigail faced decisions. You know, I realized that farther down the road, these decisions will have consequences. Some intended consequences and some unintended consequences. You know, her decision had a consequence that she intended. You know, uh, David did not come and kill everybody. But there was also some unintended consequences. And no doubt it cost her and others quite a lot. It's important that we realize that every decision we make has a consequence. And we need to continue to put these consequences, uh, and not just our decisions, but to put our future in God's hands. Okay. And if you happen to make a bad decision and you see consequences or you experience consequences, you can continue to put those in God's hands and God will still make away from you. God delivers us from everything, even if we cause it to ourselves. God is still so good, he delivers us. You know, um, even uh, like, like a psalm says, even when we act like a fool, basically, uh, talking about David whenever he went into uh, Gath and went into the enemy's camp, dragging Goliath's sword and was captured. He, he ended up acting like an idiot, but the Lord delivered him. There's a door through which God will deliver us when we give our consequences to Him. And a third thing tonight to understand, it's very important to realize that uh, God wants us to take some risk. That's one of the things I love about Abigail, is that Abigail was a risk taker." Be a risk taker. I'm not saying going outside of the Word of God. Don't, you know, don't uh, mix those two things up. But Abigail's nature, no doubt her nature, that's the reason these servants went to her to begin with, I believe, is because they knew that you know, she, would, you know, she would figure out something. She was smart, she was pretty, and she was daring. And she had the ability it took to take a risk to put her life on the line for others that she cared about. When you are willing to put your life on the line, it's like what Jesus said, no greater love has any man than this, he would lay down his life for his friends. She went to David and she laid her life down. Let this iniquity be on me. And then she asked him to forgive her. Let me bear his burden. Let, uh, let me stand in that gap. You know, all that, was one, all that is a picture of godliness and grace. And then she asked for forgiveness, and David forgave her. Oh, I would like to be more like those positive attributes, those godly attributes, while maintaining a godly walk. Abigail, what a tremendous lady. What a great Bible character. And what dynamic lessons we learn. Let me encourage you. Realize that God has a plan for your life and He's going to look at your motivations and your intentions. You're not going to get everything perfect. You're not going to always make the best decisions. But always have the best heart. You can control that. Don't be selfish. Don't be curlish as Nabal is called. Don't be foolish. Don't be, you know, um, you know uh, hard. Be kind care about others. And realize the success that Nabal had was not just due to himself. Anytime you have success, it's because success is the product of many people working together in your life. David and his men had helped Nabal have success. Let's leave it at this. Uh, Follow God's Word. You know there's consequences. Uh, Keep your heart right. Keep your motivations right. And realize God judges after your heart and be willing to take some risk to put your life on the line for Christ. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.